You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, where it's season 11, episode 73. Um, potentially the penultimate episode of the season, I think. Uh, I'm John, I'm your host for this evening, and joined by co-host and author, John, how are you doing? Yeah, alright John, um, good to be on, um, although I'll save the banter for um, things at the weekend, I'm slightly simmered down but not that much. Aye, yes. And David, we're joined by you, football writer, how are you doing David? Uh, well thanks John, I hope you're well, evening to John Bleasdale and Aram as well. Cheers. Um, so I, you, you've skipped the intro. I we're going to give a big intro for our guest, but it's all right, David. Don't worry. Um, so yeah, we are joined by um, a guest from Football Kentron, um, yes. who we got in touch with via Paul from Irish Football Fan TV, which I ended up being on last week and made an absolute mug of myself because I was pretty confident going into Saturday. Oh yeah, we're not really worried about any Irish players. This, that, the other. To be fair, Paul wasn't feeling very optimistic either. Um, and yeah, we saw what happened on Saturday. So, Aram, good to have you on board. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good in spite of the result on Saturday. Um, <laughs> I think we always treat these sessions after a loss as a cathartic experience. It's like a therapy session. So, yeah. Um, I'll join the club. Not like we. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we didn't get a result last time out either, so... I'm on the same boat as you, buddy. Um, so, like, for the fact that it's your first time being on our podcast, can you just, like, introduce yourself just to give the listeners an idea what you do? Sure. Yeah. So, my name is Adam. I am one of three hosts of Football Gantron. Uh, we are a podcast and social media account that is dedicated to Armenian football. Uh, we cover everything from the senior national team uh, down to the Armenian Premier League and Armenian players that play abroad. Uh, we have been doing this for a couple of years now and it's been growing strong uh slow slowly and steady but i think it's been um we've made very good progress and i think uh you know coming to on shows like this is a testament to how you know just spreading the knowledge uh in english i think that that's the important aspect of it uh is, is really helpful because you know we do have a lot of talented players uh and we do have a good team and I think uh, we are trying to find the best way to showcase that even though the team sometimes doesn't show it out on the pitch so uh, that's a little bit about us Cheers Adam and where can people find you if they want to listen or follow you on social media Sure, so we're available on uh, Twitter and Instagram as Football Gantron, I believe it's the Football Gantron on Instagram, I don't, I don't know why but it is, uh, we're also on Facebook and all of our uh, episodes, our podcasts are available on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we also upload them to YouTube as well. We don't do fancy video content like how you guys do. Uh, we're oh, we maybe... Don't we don't either. <laughs> <laughs> we, just we just record like this. We just, just like, record like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're... Um, uh, yeah, we're audio only for now. I've been I've been dabbling with maybe doing some sort of visuals, but uh, that's that's where they can find us. Cool. Uh, and obviously we'll share all those details online anyway in terms of Twitter and stuff like that, which we have done yeah. already. 
So I'm going to just a point that you made there about um, spreading awareness of Armenian football. Now, we will readily admit that prior to the home game, mm-hmm. uh, I asked the guests that were on the podcast last night to name three Armenian footballers. Now, it didn't go too well. I think we all mentioned Mkhitaryan. Um, uh-huh. He's retired from international yes. football. So we have learned a bit more about Armenia now due to the fact, obviously, we played you for the first time. First time we played you. Um, mm-hmm. And the only really experience that we have had of Armenian football has been in European club competition. Yes. I think, uh, yeah, Alashkets has played St. Johnston, Celtic, and Rangers. I think that for some reason, they just keep heading your way. And uh, we don't think they're the best representation of Armenian football, although they did qualify for European competition last season, uh, much to the surprise of a lot of us. Uh, They somehow managed to worm their way in there. Um, But it is, again, a testament to the fact that Armenian football is growing a lot. You know, we're we're going places and people are slowly starting to see it. And being in League B uh, compared to years before when we were in League D and C, I think has also made a huge difference. I think um, in a lot of the games, we hear a lot of the commentators ask, uh, they say, you know, Armenia is in League B, the kind of questioning how we got there in the first place. But I think <laughs> I think it realistically comes down to the fact that we got there on merit. You know, we were promoted from League D to C and we won our group with a very strong North Macedonia team. And we were able to edge them out and, and beat them and uh, get promotion to League B. So we're here for a reason. I think as well, it's a credit to our media when you consider the ranking in world terms, in terms of what they've achieved so far, when you consider as a football nation, pretty young mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I mean, I I have a gripe with FIFA rankings. I don't think they're um, accurate by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think that's also why UEFA is looking to move away from them, and they're utilizing the Nations League competition to for the pop placement for the for the next set of European qualifiers, uh, and will be in pot three. So, and I think well deserved. Where we're normally, I believe, in like pot four or five, we teeter between those two. Um, in terms of ranking, though, we are currently ranked 92nd. Again, I we've beaten people well, ranked well ahead of us. You know, we've had very good games, and it just doesn't seem to make us move an inch. So I always take those rankings with a grain of salt uh, when when anyone brings them up. Hi, especially when you can settle. When you look at uh, Norsma, let me go, John. Sorry. I was just going to say, when you look at what North Macedonia have achieved, I know you've just recently beat them, but they've also been in the Euros, and although the list of mm-hmm. three games, I gave them, they gave a good count themselves in the Euros, and they also beat Italy in the recent playoff. Do you guys look at North Macedonia as a sort of inspiration to say, well, if they can do this, Armenia could possibly go to these places one day, or do you still think it's a long way off? Um, here's the thing. I think uh, if we look at the quality of the squad of Macedonia, I do think their the quality of their squad is slightly better. Uh, they have players playing in slightly better leagues than us. Um, and, you know, we've had our fair share of run-ins with Macedonians. Uh, we've had a lot of Armenian players actually play in Macedonia. Um, and I think that's not necessarily where we would look for inspiration. I, I was recently talking with the guys on the show about this um, and about how I think we need to start looking at nations like the Czech Republic and Hungary and need to base ourselves and and model ourselves after teams like that because, you know, there aren't, you look at this Hungarian side and name me three players on this Hungarian side. You you probably can't name them either, yet they're an A-League team. They just beat England 
uh, which looked kind of comfortable. And they're they're killing it everywhere. I think that's where we would want to model model ourselves after as Armenian. That would be the inspiration. What's the population of Armenia out of interest? Uh, we in Armenia itself, three million. Outside of Armenia, I think the total there's about nine to ten million Armenians around the world. Uh, we're very well spread out, uh, just because of you know events like the Armenian genocide, kind of you know pushed a lot of Armenians outside of their homelands. Uh, a lot of Armenians went to the Middle East. Um, a lot of them have since left the Middle East because of a lot of things going on there, but we're spread all over Europe, uh, Russia, and here in the US, we have a very large population. And then on the back of that, not just the population side of things, and you mentioned Russia there, obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of Armenians that have got Russian families as well. So players going to there instead of playing for Armenia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it comes with the diaspora and, you know, it's the curse, I would say, the gift and the curse of the diaspora, because uh, we have ha- we have definitely benefited from it. I mean, our star striker for many years, Euromovsisyan, was a diasporan Armenian, played in the MLS. Uh, he also went on to play for Spartak Moscow, uh, and uh, we also have Eduard Spertian, who's currently, you know, I would say the gem, the 21, 22 now year old midfield wonder boy that we have. Uh, he's you know, born and raised in Russia, but he's Armenian. Both of his parents are Armenian. He's raised in an Armenian family. Um, but there's also another side to that coin. And uh, that's players like Arsen Zakharyan, who plays for Dinamo Moscow, uh, at 18 years old, made his debut for the Russian national team. And he's since started, I believe, almost every single game for them. Uh, so there's two sides to that coin. You know, we do have players like Edward who are very proud to be Armenian and want to show it on the international stage. But we also have ones that have been, you know, um, more assimilated into their cultures of where they were born and um, choose to represent them instead. Yeah. And I was listening about Spertsy and he's getting linked with French clubs as well, wasn't he? So he's in that great hope. Yeah, he was getting linked with uh, French clubs before he scored that screamer against Ireland. So uh, I'd like to see who he's linked with uh, now. Because he, he missed Saturday, didn't he? Was he injured or was he... No, uh, I believe he was rotated. Um, yeah, I think he was given a rest for the last game. I fully anticipate him and Hovana Sambardzumian, who's our starting fullback on the right side. Uh, they were both left out of the squad versus Ukraine. They're undisputed starters, and, and I'm fairly confident they'll be playing tomorrow. Yeah. So, start of the campaign was pretty good for you? Uh, I, you know, can't complain. I think going into this, we know four games is a lot, and... Uh, keeping players fit for four games in, what is it, 10 days, 12 days, something crazy like that. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge. And I think our, our coach has done a good job of rotation. Uh, we have a pretty, we had a very rotated side against the Ukraine, actually. Uh, I think six of our starters were rotated out for that game. Uh, I mean, we, I, we still had a really good display for 60 minutes and then it just capitulated. Um, but Rotation was definitely key, and we are seeing that, uh, which was which was good because we feared uh, our manager Joaquin Caparos is uh, averse to it sometimes for some reason. He'll start, you know, the same player for three games in a row, four games in a row for no no good reason. But um, he's been good about it now. Yeah, John, were you wanting to come in? I thought at one point you were trying to come in, David. Yeah, Aram, hello, David here. Uh, what was the difference when you beat Republic of Ireland 1-0 uh, 
compared to your last two outings, considering the result that Scotland inherited in Dublin at the weekend? Okay. Uh, great question, David. And I think it's a very valid question. Um, I think it all came down to the tactical approach. Uh, we historically are not good at uh, defending crosses and defending set pieces. And I think that's where Scotland capitalized last time tremendously. And um, well, it was a well-deserved victory. I think no, no question, but if you guys noticed, there was a huge shift in the paradigm in the second half. Uh, you Scotland wasn't creating as many opportunities and Armenia was actually starting to go forward. And we saw a similar trend against Ukraine where um, the first 60 minutes of that Ukrainian game or the first half of that Ukrainian game was very similar to the second half of Scotland. And it came down to minor tactical adjustments. Um, I think the reason of why we lost both games are actually very different despite the results and styles looking very similar. I think against Scotland, it, it purely came down to being able to defend those far post headers. We just couldn't do it on two occasions. And, um, you know, other than those two crosses, I don't think Scotland was definitely was knocking, but it didn't seem it wasn't as dangerous as it was initially perceived uh, versus the Ukraine. The defense was actually incredibly solid for Armenia uh, for for 60 minutes, in, extremely resilient. It wasn't until a, a very, very good individual brilliant effort from Ukraine, I think, um, just disheartened the boys a little bit and um, they ultimately you know, collapsed. Um, but I think it's purely going to come down to two things, uh, fitness of the players and how long they can concentrate while they are actually fit. Uh, I know it doesn't matter what type of game plan Kabaros puts out there. It's probably going to be the correct one. And it's going to be down to the players to be able to execute that. Predominantly from what I know is a counter attacking team, like they can have sit in and then hit teams in the break. So that's, that's how we've been setting up as of late. Um, it's not a setup that I necessarily agree with, uh, you know, being someone who avidly watches, supports, and, and follows the team and understands how the team is, is structured. Um, I do think that the game against Ireland uh, that, that, that you lot just played uh, was very indicative of the right way to approach playing Scotland. I mean, I don't think you guys expected Ireland to come out at you like that. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and, but I do think that, you know, we have to take that into consideration and I'm not necessarily saying that that's exactly how Armenia is going to approach this game or needs to approach this game um, because of a couple of reasons. One, we don't have the same style of players that Ireland has. And two, I'm very certain that Scotland is preparing for a game plan in which they are overwhelmed like that. So I, I don't see um, I don't see that being the case. I do see us counterattacking, but I don't think it's going to be sitting as deep or go how it was in the last match. Yeah, but you only have to. I, I watched the highlights of the game against Ireland, and much as Ireland had more of the ball, um, it was a pretty even game in terms of chances created. I would say actually, Armenia, I would say had the better chances. Yeah, uh, we had a goal ruled offsides uh, correctly. I think the fullback was off when he received the pass. Uh, Barcelona had a really good finish. But all of the most dangerous looks in that game uh, came from Armenia. I think it took until about the 73rd, 74th minute for Ireland to get their first shot on target. And that was a header from a corner kick, and it went directly into our goalkeeper's hands. Uh, it wasn't a dangerous play by any means. Uh, and uh, by that point, you know, 
we were already looking extremely dangerous, had already had a goal ruled off sides, had a ball just sail right past the top corner. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a similar look that Armenia is going to look to play against Scotland. It's going to look, I think, a little more like the second half of our initial game where we were a little more dangerous, but the level of improvement um, needs to come in the, in the area of passing on our end. Our pass accuracy in the, in the final third has been not that good, to say the least. I think in the, in that, the second half against us, I mean, you did show signs that you were looking to come back in the game. Um, I think Scotland just went into the... Um, in the comfort mode, but there was one particular incident where I can't remember the attacker's name, I do apologise, but um, you got the better Jack Hendry. Jack Hendry didn't defend the situation well. And then John Suther had to come across him, but what he did was he showed the um, attacker on the outside on his weaker foot and then stepped in and made a great interception. Other than mm-hmm. that, a couple of long range shots um, that Craig Gordon um, dealt with easily. There wasn't um, a lot of threat. Is that something that you think Armenia are capable of doing better in the next game than um, tomorrow night? Absolutely. I think the danger came uh, against Scotland uh, from us is when we started to do balls over the top on the wings. I think that's that's where I think uh, Robertson was being, uh, especially on, on that wing, Robertson was so high up and so and staying so high up because of how much possession Scotland was getting that every time we would recover the ball, you would see the pass going over the top of the defense to, I think, Tigran Barcerian, who was, uh, who was playing up top on that side. Uh, and he's the one that's probably able to get the better of a defender using his pace. Uh, and I think that's going to be a similar approach in terms of how our players actually approach it, whether or not you know they're successful on their take-ons or they're successful in that initial pass to release the counterattack. Uh, that's that's going to be really where this game is won for Armenia uh, because that's where we've been very, very poor. I mean, even against Ireland, we did create more chances in Ireland. But if that first initial pass to release the counterattack was better, that game could have easily been three or four nil. Am I right in saying, seeing the Ireland game, did you play no strikers? It was effectively midfielders playing up front. So Joaquin Kaparos has been playing wingers as center forwards. Uh, he's been playing two up top. The only true number nine we have on our squad is Sargi Saldamian who is a striker from Hoffenheim, who was recently loaned to Club Bruges, and he won the league over there. Um, Jack Hendry. Jack Hendry at Scotland. Yeah, yeah, with Jack Hendry, exactly. I think they were, like, talking uh, in, in the pregame. Uh, but I think our style of play and the, or the way that Joaquin Kaparos has Armenia set up uh, doesn't, doesn't benefit a striker like Adamian because Adamian is the type of player that he likes to receive the ball in and around the box, create pockets of space for his teammates to run into and pass the ball off. He hasn't had that opportunity at all uh, because we have been playing counterattacking. So we're relying on players like Vahan Bijakchan or Tigan Barcerian or Edgar Babayan, who are very, very fast and technically very good on the ball. Um, two out of three aren't the best passers. I think Vahan is the best passer of all three of them. Uh, so the passing has been a little off, but if those combinations, small one, two passes uh, start clicking, I think I think we can be extremely dangerous. And uh, David? Rob, am I correct in saying that uh, Ashok Adamian has a Russian passport? Is uh, is Russian? Uh, Ashok Adamian? Oh, who, what club does he play for? Where's the club? Oh, it's uh, Ashok Adamian? I... 
I don't think he has a passport. I'm not sure about his passport situation. Um, but we do have a lot of dual nationals. Uh, a lot of them are diasporans, as I previously mentioned, that don't actually get their Armenian citizenship until they actually commit to playing for Armenia. Uh, in terms of Ashrod's case, I don't know if he has Russian citizenship. I would have to look that up. What do you put down the advancement in Armenian football over the last few years to, in terms of like progress internationally? Uh-huh. Uh, that's, a lo- that's a loaded question because it has a lot of, it has a lot to do with the change in Armenian politics in the last five years. Uh, Armenia experienced a uh, political revolution uh, where we became a lot more of a democratic state. And a part of that was, was football because there was a group of oligarchs who practically ran every aspect of the country. And that included the football federation. One of the major oligarchs was the president of the federation for a very long time. Uh, and he was embezzling money from the federation for years. Uh, it wasn't until he was ousted uh, and we had a brand new federation, a brand new board that came in uh, that actually started utilizing the money that we were getting from FIFA and UEFA um, and, you know, starting programs, building pitches, building stadiums uh, and actually, you know, investing into infrastructure and youth development. Uh, but the single largest footballing related change I can point to uh, was that when that shift happened, we had a new technical and sporting director, Hines Melendez. Uh, who many people may not know his name outside of Spain, uh, but he was the technical director of the Spanish national team. Uh, And he came, completely revised, revamped uh, the Armenian football pyramid and structure uh, and youth development structure. He was the one that brought in Joaquin Caparos uh, because they're very good friends. Uh, And I think that football in terms was the biggest change. And we're not necessarily going to see the fruits of those labors maybe for a little bit, more years down the line, but in terms of um, current changes and current improvements, people are starting to invest a little bit more. And I think that's where it's coming from. Yeah, and I suppose you're seeing maybe early returns in terms of likes of Spelzian and some of the other younger players that are making an impact at national level as well, and players leaving to play in Europe or other leagues. That's a big thing. Yeah, and and um, that's definitely a help. And I also think that... Um, there a lot of the diaspora Armenian players are coming to ages where they are starting to play professionally. Uh, and we're starting to see the fruits of those labors. Uh, like we have a kid from here, from LA actually, who is a product of a Barcelona Academy in Arizona. They have like a separate U S structure. Um, and he recently signed for Las Vegas lights football club, uh, which is the second team of LAFC, who is, you know, one of the most, one of the better teams in MLS. Uh, and he's currently playing for under 21s. So that's just one example of us utilizing, you know, all of these people that we have around the world that are in different, you know, footballing systems. We have players playing in Austria, in Belgium, in Italy, in the Netherlands and in Greece. And we're looking to start to use these players and, um, and kind of attract them to Armenia and having success in league B, I think is going to be very, very crucial for that. Yeah. David? Uh, first and foremost, first and foremost uh, apologies because uh, it was actually another uh, player I got mistaken with. The player I was on about was a player for Noah, if that's an Armenian team. Noah. Yes. 
Yeah, FC Noah is one of the yeah. teams in Armenia. They're um, yeah, yeah. So Noah's an interesting case. They're um, a newer club. They're backed by very wealthy investors, but they haven't they haven't necessarily seen the success that they would like to see. Um, I think like many other Armenian clubs, they fall into the trap of wanting to utilize a lot of foreign players uh, to the point that the football federation instilled a minimum rule where each team has to have a minimum of three Armenian players on the pitch at one time. Uh, because it got to a point, like, I think all Ashkert is the perfect example of this. Uh, one of the European games they started was without a single Armenian player. So it, it started to become a real big issue in Armenia. So the federation is looking to correct that. And I'm, I'm intrigued because you're obviously living out in America. Um, do you, have, have you ever had the opportunity to go and see Armenia play live? Yes, actually. I've seen them play a few times. Uh, the first time I watched Armenia play live in person was in 2015. It was a nil-nil draw at home against Denmark, uh, where it was a really good game. We had our chances to win, but we didn't. Uh, and Armenia has actually came and played here in LA a couple times. We had a game against El Salvador and Guatemala. We won, I believe it was... 7-1 against El Salvador and 4-0 against Guatemala. I think those, those were the score lines uh, in, those, in those friendlies. Um, and I, have, I watched Armenia's last game at home against Italy. Uh, it was a really tough 3-1 loss, but definitely a game we could have won had we not had a man sent off. What's been your favorite Armenian game that you've watched live to date? In, live in person or just in general? Uh, I mean, it, it has to be that game against Guatemala. It was just a, it was like a masterclass. It was amazing to see Armenia score so many goals and, 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 you know, play such a good cohesive attacking football. But I think if we're talking about a game in general that I've seen that Armenia has played, uh, that's our four nil win against Denmark. That was uh, a spectacular game. I believe Henrik Mkhitaryan scored that game. Yermov Sessian scored. Aros Osbilis, who uh, was a Ajax player, he he netted a goal. Uh, that was definitely part of our golden age of Armenian football. John, you mute. So on the subject of Mkhitaryan, uh, our colleague Josh has got a question. So you get certain teams and countries that are like get this household name. Do you feel that there's a disservice given to Armenia based on that in terms of not recognizing other players and talents? Well, I mean, that's tough because Henrik is clearly, I, you know, the, the, the best Armenian player of all time. I think it's a little, it's undisputed, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was the best player to wear the Armenian shirt. I think there would be a lot more d debate there, but if we're talking about, you know, he just recently won the Conference League with Roma. He won the Europa League with Manchester United. Uh, he's won trophies at Borussia Dortmund. Uh, he won at Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, he was very successful there, uh, winning many trophies. He's played in the Champions League. He's done it all. Um, and I think, and I've related this more to uh, an experience that Sweden had, except, of course, Sweden, the quality of their player pool is a lot bigger than ours. Uh, the, the, the Ibrahimovic conundrum. Uh, post Ibrahimovic's retirement, Sweden 
played substantially better. And we noticed um, that near the sunset of Henrik's international career, uh, he missed most of the games. Uh, in our successful Nations League campaign in League C, he played twice, I believe, and we drew both of those games. When he didn't play, we won. Um, and then similarly, in the start to World Cup qualifiers, uh, you know, we started with three wins in a row against Liechtenstein, uh, a 2-0 against Iceland, and a 3-2 against Romania, all three of which he was not involved in the squad at all. Yeah. And David? Ram, uh, what do you think is your best formation? Because you played against uh, Republic of Ireland and played 5-3-2 in that game. You beat Montenegro in March and played a 4-4-2 and you played a 4-3-2-1 last Wednesday at Hampton. What do you think is Armenia's best formation at present? Um, we've had our most success when we've been playing 4-4-2 with two holding midfielders or two deep, two deeper lying midfielders. Um, I would personally like to see us play a, just a traditional 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. Uh, and the reason is just for one position in particular, uh, which, you know, can be called the number 10 role. And um, Eduard Sverzian, we believe, thrives the best in that number 10 role, like he does for Krasnodar in Russia. But he's been relegated to a deeper, you know, central midfield partnership uh, with whoever he plays there. And um, we have been seeing, you know, fruits of that labor. He's been able to make runs from deeper and, you know, it led to great goal scoring opportunities. It led to his goal against Romania uh, on his debut. It also led to the goal against Ireland. So there is some merit to having him there, but we believe that we will not only get the best out of him, but we'll also get the best out of Sargis Adamian, uh, if we play a formation like that and the best out of Vaham Bichakjan and Tigran Barserian who are out-and-out out wingers and not centre-forwards like they're being played. Um, just to move to the conversation slightly, um, Marosa and Anira where major tournaments seem to be held across more than just one country these days, like the next World Cup and is going to be held across three nations. Um, we've just had Euro 2020 held in 13 cities and um, we're talking about potential five UK nations holding the um, a UK and Ireland nations holding Euro 2028. Does Armenia have the infrastructure to host a tournament with um, another one or two countries, do you think? Or do you think it would need to be a repeat no. bid of separate cities? No, I, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think we're in the position. Um, we are actually, there was plans prior to the war uh, a couple of years back of to develop a new uh, Class A UEFA stadium. I think it was going to be a 50,000 seat brand new world-class facilities. And, and I think talks are now resuming slowly about doing that. Uh, we just don't have the infrastructure to do it at this point. I think the Federation wants to be able to host first and foremost European matches. I think they're aiming to have a conference league final or a Europa league final in Armenia. Uh, we did host the under 17 euros a couple uh, in 2019, uh, which was the first tournament that Armenia had ever hosted uh, smaller things like that, I think Armenia is capable of handling, uh, but we don't have, you know, I think we have maybe six or seven stadiums right now in the whole country uh, with our maximum capacity, our largest stadium, Hurazdan, uh, which holds about 60,000 people, um, hasn't been used in over a decade. And um, it's very dilapidated uh, and there's some ownership issues so I think the, the Federation 
moved uh, to Vazgen Sargisyan Republican Stadium, where we currently play, which holds about 18,000 people. Seems crazy. They have not been used for like 10 years. Uh, and it's it's sad because that stadium is a very historic stadium. Uh, that was Adara Yerevan's home stadium where uh, they won the, they were Soviet Cup winners where they got to the Europa, sorry, the European Cup quarterfinals and they beat Bayern Munich at home 1-0 in that stadium. And it has a lot of, you know, rich history and uh, it's just sad to see the state of it. Yeah. What are you expecting then from the game at home against Scotland? Are you expecting something similar to the Ireland game or? I think so. I think I don't, I, although on, on paper and to most viewers, the Armenia versus Scotland and Armenia versus Ireland games were very similar, but I think there were small tactical differences that uh, benefited Scotland a lot more than it did Ireland. Um, I think we are going to probably be playing a counterattacking style. Uh, fortunately for us, you know, we're going to come in with a lot of fresh legs and those fresh legs are going to be our starters, you know, uh, so we will probably be putting out maybe not necessarily our strongest 11, uh, but including our substitutes, probably the best players that we can field. Um, I think the game is going to be one. It's just going to come down to how much Armenia can concentrate and how well Armenia can pass the ball. If they can be accurate with the passing and if they keep focused for 90 minutes, uh, I, I do think that Armenia can come away with a result. Uh, maybe not a win, but a draw is very much possible, I think. Uh, but I wouldn't put a win past it either, uh, considering, you know, what the situation is looking like in the group. I think a win would, would really help. You've had good results at home as well. And you look at the teams you beat, like Iceland, Romania, Ireland. So it's within the capabilities. And it, the performances it, we put in recently, there needs to be a reaction, certainly. Um, and it, coming into this whole Nations League campaign, we knew... Um, we knew that we have to get points at home. That was going to be crucial to us staying in League B. And that's, that's ultimately the goal. I mean, what countries like Scotland, Ireland, Ukraine are looking to win the group, uh, we're looking to just stay here. I think it'll benefit us in the long run. Um, so we knew that it was, we were going to go all out for Ireland. And we, we expected to win that game, and we won that game. Uh, similarly, we expect the result here at home again. Uh, because if we want to stay up, we, frankly, we need it, considering what happened to you guys. Uh, <laughs> it was a little unexpected, um, but of course, not out of the realm of possibility. I think the emphatic, uh, I think the way it was done and executed, it was very emphatic and took a lot of people off guard. Um, but I think the result may not, it shouldn't necessarily be that surprising because we are all capable of beating each other, clearly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And David? I don't know if we've lost, David. Yeah, I thought he was going to ask a, que- I thought, I thought ask a question, but uh, we'll come back. You there? No. I think he's a little bit frozen. Seems to be a problem. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to David. Yeah, that's Right, no worries. That's all right. That's a for me. Apologies. Apologies. It's all right. The joys of, the joys of technology... Um, if it's not um, me being on mute, we've got technical problems, so don't worry about it. Just one of these things. <laughs> to quote David Tanner, there seems to be a problem. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I think on the back of Saturday... Uh, Aram. Oh, on you go, David. Aram, big fan, sorry. 
Are you paying a lot of attention to the criticism that Steve Clark's picked up over the last 48 hours? Um, not really. I think um, I've poked fun at it a lot on Twitter. Um, but in terms of, uh, uh, I think, I, think I, I drafted a tweet that said, Something along the lines of if you, if Scottish fans really want him fired, I mean, just hand us the three points on Tuesday, and I guarantee you it'll it'll happen. Um, but no, I think we're more concerned about what's happening with us internally. Uh, we're more concerned about you know how what our approach is going to be to this game because um, the first time around, um, it, the tactical approach wasn't there. Um, it wasn't correct. I think it could have been better and it was tuned as the game went on. And I think that's why Armenia looked a lot more solid in the second half, but uh, we can't have another, another 45 minutes of just Scotland purely dominating every aspect of the game. Yeah. I think we were shocked last week, last Wednesday when we had so much of the ball, because as a country traditionally, when we have teams that are like sitting in on us, we struggle to break them down. We struggle to mm. play passes, but we actually played pretty well last Wednesday. I thought overall, um, I think we were pretty pleased overall with performances. There was a few criticisms in terms of maybe when the game looked as if it was maybe done with about 20 to 25 minutes ago that we could have like integrated players more. And that's close mm. you suffer yourself in attack. I still feel in attack. That's where we need to be a bit more ruthless. Um, we've seen the stats. Shea Adams hasn't scored in 16 games. Mm. Country. We've got guys like Jacob Brown and uh, Ross Stewart who have been scoring goals um, okay at a lower level in England, but he brought them on with like five minutes to go. Whereas you think, get these guys integrated. I think Jacob Brown prior to Saturday against Ireland had played like something like 10 minutes between three games. That, yeah. That's nothing um, to get involved with in terms of getting involved in the play. You're, it's just a time wasting sub. I, th- I think one thing that I've noticed um, a lot of fans talk about, and of course, just from watching Scotland's games, which I have watched all of Scotland's games, um, when Scott McTominay is being started at the back, you guys seem to be, have a lot of issues. Now that was changed against us, but then he was reinstated into the side against Ireland, correct? Or did he come off the bench? He started midfield against Ireland. Moved back to the defense when Jack Kendrick was played, but and that didn't turn out so well. So I think the Scott McTominay start or not? I mean, that's that. I think that's a big question. You don't think so? If you ask most Scotland fans, much as McTominay is a decent player, for some reason he just doesn't fit into the Scotland system. He's not a centre back. He's definitely not a centre back. At the point he was playing centre back originally for Scotland, it looked like we were quite short of options there. It was an area mm-hmm. we were struggling, whereas the likes of Jack Kenji moved to Belgium. We started to get games. Um, John Suter now has come back from injury. Much, he still has his injury problems, but definitely looks like he should be a starter. That was mm-hmm. on Saturday when we seen the team lineup and we were talking about our WhatsApp chat. We were all expecting Suter would start. Well, maybe not expecting, but I think we were hoping that he would start. That would be right, John, wouldn't it? But we weren't surprised. I would say we were expecting. Yeah, I was expecting John Stewart to start. Um, I was amazed that Jack Kendry got a start um, because we were expecting Grant Hanley to come back and I thought Jack Kendry would have been the bench. And we talked about that instant where Armenia um, broke. It was um, John Stewart covered Jack Kendry's back, um, backside there. But yet, Hendry's the one that starts and Stewart goes on the bench. I mean, that was a bad call. The other bad call um, was Scott McTominay being brought in the midfield um, and, um, in, instead of Bill Gilmore. 
Um, and you know that was two baffling changes um, for me. Um, was the rest of the side was pretty um, much what we would have picked. Um, but there's there was just so many issues on, on Saturday. And what annoyed me probably most was that at two 0 down at half time, it was clear the formation wasn't working this occasion. Change of formation, but what we did was we brought Gilmore on for Hendry and moved it on the back into central defence where he had played Red Rotten the, the week before. It just did not make sense. And then the rest of the changes after that are just light for light. But, you know, it was like Steve Clark was determined to make the system work. But, and I know the 3 5 has worked for a long time for Scotland, but, you know, it wasn't working this game. It doesn't work with Ken, when Ken Tierney's not in the team. Um, so there's games where you have to change it, and they just didn't. And it's, it's infuriating. I mean, he's done well, Clark, but his stubbornness is starting to become his detriment right now. Mm-hmm. I read this morning, um, and I didn't see the list of players that travel to Yerevan uh, from your end. Uh, there was some players that are doubts, or uh, several players actually that are doubts. Would you happen to know who? Because I wasn't able to find it. Not sure. Um, I don't know whether McKenna, after him, got off injured. Uh, he looked like they picked up a knock. Ferguson was already out. He missed the last couple of games, wasn't involved, but he wouldn't really be, he'd be on the bench. He wouldn't really be involved. So I don't know whether it's my, my start. Mm. Lineup, or there's not been not been. I would expect yeah. changes. I would be expecting changes. I mean, a lot of these players have come off the back of um, quite a long season, and quite a lot of players are off form. We spoke. We spoke about this before the. I mean, again last week came um, and we reviewed the Ukraine match, and that was again the case at the weekend. A lot of players are in that team that were completely off form, and when you're carrying that many players off form in a team, it's it's not a good combination, um, and. Personally, I would be bringing in Alan Campbell. We need something in that midfield. Alan Campbell's had a smashing season at Luton. Luton and them are in the playoffs this season. Um, we lacked a bit of bite in that midfield. Well, it's pretty toothless in that midfield against Ireland. And Armenia's not going to be easy away from home. You know, we need someone to just go in there and do a bit of digging. Maybe pick up the spaces where Armenia will look to um, utilise, where Ukraine were getting a lot of joy in, Ireland we're getting joy in. And Campbell will be the one that just goes in there and just breaks things up and then lets lights of whether it's Gilmore and McGregor starts or um, McGregor and Armstrong or whatever the combination is. Um, but I tell you something, we can't have um, people like Ryan Christie being in the team and just hiding. We can't have anyone hiding this game tomorrow night. No, this is a crucial game for Scotland. And Ryan Christie's performance, he wasn't the only one out of the 11. I mean, let's be honest, every one of those 11 players were dreadful on Saturday. It's one of the worst Scotland performances I've ever seen, ever. It's up there with Kazakhstan, it's up there with Norway. It's worse than when we lost 6-0 Holland because Holland actually was a decent team. This Island team was not a great side. Um, you know, we need to get a result um, tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, we can't afford anyone to just go into hiding. And Ryan Christie was found hiding at the weekend. I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering how, if Scotland's going to rotate out of necessity or is it going to be more because of maybe slightly underestimating this Armenia side, considering, you know, you've already played us once, got three points. It was a relatively straightforward game for you guys uh, in that first half, especially. Well, Rob, mm-hmm. uh, the Dykes has left the score through injury and Xander Clark and William Cooper weren't involved on Saturday anyway. And they got, obviously got married over the weekend. They won't be back for, for tomorrow night. So um, as things stand at 9.48pm on Monday evening, there's no Dykes, Clark or, or Cooper for tomorrow night. Interesting. Aye. Uh, 
when you do that anyway already, but I don't know, there was there was talk earlier on and I was watching the Scottish news and they were saying there is other players that are doubts, but they never mentioned any names. Yeah, I think I think they're doing that purposefully. <laughs> um the, the props see going back to the point though um, in terms of rotating, the problem we have is in these games so far, it's some of the more experienced players that are struggling. Mm. And much as we have spoken about over maybe the last year or so that we do have a bit more depth in the squad, I don't think Clark would leave out a McGregor, a McGinn, a Robertson because there isn't that experience there. He did. I was surprised. He took McGinn off on Saturday, which I was surprised at. However, he could have taken anyone off, to be honest, with a performance. So th- th- that's the probably the issue. I don't think we can underestimate. I mean, yeah, that would be a massive mistake when you think you've been in Ireland already. You've got to take into account as well the conditions will play a factor. You're not Scottish players are not used to playing in those types of conditions. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that to take into play. The the Keenan Tierney situation, the start already earlier, and we kind of knew that he's such a big influence. With mm-hmm. Tierney in the team, we have only lost four and twenty. When he's not in the team, we've lost seven out of fifteen. Yeah. So that's that shows a... how influential he is. Yeah, and I'm not that's that's the big question mark for you guys. If if he starts, obviously he's gonna give it a hundred percent, but he what played the Champions League final had a party, and then three days later was in Scotland camp. That was Robertson. Sorry, that was Robertson. Yeah, Tyranny has been he's been injured, which was unfortunate for you guys. Um, and I think, like you said, plays a big factor in how you line up. Um, on our end, we I think we're hitting the perfect combination of form and um, and fitness. I think our captain, Varazal Haroyan, who is a central defender who plays in La Liga, He's kind of the anchor of this whole team. Um, he is the motivator. He is the coach's voice on the pitch. Uh, I think in the Ukraine game, he was yelling out instructions. He was on his feet as much as Kaparos was. Uh, he'll be back in the starting 11. Um, and he's going to be, I would say, the most crucial component of our game uh, because he is definitely the most world-class defender Armenia has ever produced. Uh, he's a big calming presence. He's a big tackler. I think you guys, you guys already saw that. Um, and he can pick out a pass, which is very, very important for us when we're looking to counterattack. Um, and to John, your, your previous question, I think as much as I don't want it, I, I do anticipate us likely playing a back five. Um, I don't want to see that. I would prefer to see a four, four, two. And personally, I do think, um, I do think playing three central midfielders or two central midfielders is just going to play right into Scottish hands. I mean, you guys are going to have five in the midfield dominating numbers there. And I think it would be a mistake to play that. Um, but that's probably likely what we're going to see, if not a 4 4 2. I just wanted to pick up on the point that John was making, understandably so, about um, quite likely wanting to go for experience. Now, you know, I get that because these are competitive games. You know, these are back on our way to um, the Euros potential for Scotland. So we can't, but you can't underestimate these matches. Um, but you don't get many friendlies um, anymore in international football. It's, there are so many more competitive games. The Nations League are as good an opportunity to try it. We're, we're not talking about trying to make wholesale changes. Making 11 changes for Armenia is just not um, the way to go. But there's no reason why someone like, for example, Alan Campbell cannot come into this team alongside established players like Callum McGregor and no perform well. Um, because the, 
and, and this was the thing that annoyed me when um, in the game last week against you guys, Aram, was that we waited until 75 minutes to bring off people who were clearly knackered. And we had two big uh, wee trips coming up. It would be a good opportunity to rest guys like Shea Adams, who looked absolutely dead in his feet, and we gave him 85 minutes. Um, instead, you know, and, and then bring on the likes of um, Jacob Brown a bit earlier so that they could get a little bit more used to the international football, get themselves a chance again in the game. Not going to do that in 15 or 5 minutes. Um, but that's just the way it is. I think that comes down at this point, international managers are, are looking for players that fit their system rather than the best players. And I think we've seen that plenty of times where, you know, uh, there's a lot of players that we believe should be starting that don't even get a look sometimes, or they come on in for five minutes. And I think that that's a testament to John, what you said of how we don't see friendlies anymore. We don't have opportunities to try out these new players and uh, coaches are going to look for those players that can perform those necessary tasks um, that they need to get three points. I mean, it's never, it's not really going to be pretty. We're not always going to see players you want to see. Um, but I think that's unfortunately the way the international game is heading. Um, I know, Adam, you need to leave us in a few minutes, but before you do go, what is your prediction in terms of score for tomorrow then? What are you going for? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible at score predictions. Uh, I think... Mike, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to tell. I, I really would need to see the lineup, but I think we can, I think we can edge it by a goal. Right. Okay. Uh, and I, I heard you on the Irish podcast as well, Irish Football Fan TV, and you got that prediction right. I think that you would win. So I'm hoping your prediction is not right this time. Um, so much as you're a nice guy, you're a good guy, you've been a great guest, but. No, when it comes to football, we are enemies tomorrow. <laughs> That's fine, and then we'll we'll have a drink. We'll have a drink together after the game. Oh, actually, that was a quick question I wanted to ask. Um, Armenia, what is the price of pint for the for the Tartan army? Oh, four hundred dirham, which is about about a euro one okay. or yeah, one euro, one British pound equivalent, one US dollar around that. If the Scottish fans had done that, they'd have sold out the stadium just for Scotland fans. Um, and <laughs> Armenian football food, do you know what do they tend to eat? Football food uh, in the stadium, there's not really any food. People um, tend to eat seeds, sunflower seeds. Okay, a bit different. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, best of luck for the rest of the campaign, with the exception of tomorrow night. Uh, Thank you. Hopefully, we'll get you back on as well in the future. Hopefully. I mean, I think uh, this. This concludes our matches, I think, for this campaign, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in September uh, after the results tomorrow. I think, I think we're all going to be biting our nails regardless <laughs> and be a little worried. Yeah, I think in September... The breaking news, yeah, incidentally, Australia have qualified for the FIFA World Cup. They've beaten Peru in penalties. And I'm happy because I've got family out there, so at least... Um, <laughs> at least there's going to be one Scott guaranteed to be at the World Cup because Martin Boyle who's technically Scottish is playing for Australia so good luck to Martin Boyle yeah I'm happy with that I think the plan for September is that we're going to get a guest on from each of the Nations League uh, teams in the group so that would be good oh, that would be great yeah why not I think a little wrap up show is uh, would, would be very helpful to get everyone's opinions definitely right cheers again Adam thanks for coming on alright thanks Adam thank you gents appreciate it so, as Aram goes, something else that needs to go is your bow hair. So, you can get 20% off and free shipping 
at uk.manscape.com with the code SFF20 capital letters. If you order quickly, you might get it in time for Father's Day as a gift. If it doesn't come in time for Father's Day, then what you need to do is get beach body ready because summer holidays are coming. And as we've said before, you do not want stray hairs as a last thing. So if you want to go on holiday and impress everyone, have a good um you can grow your pattern for your holiday. Maybe you could do the flag at a country you're going to or whatever it is, then get involved. So uk.manscape.com and get the lawnmower 4.0 for precision trimming and looking good, feeling good. Um just before we kind of finish up, what are we expecting then tomorrow in terms of lineup? We think the formation will change. Um, I don't think the formation will change. I think Clark's come too far, but I think you should consider a change. I mean, um, as we've discussed before, this um, 3-5-2 only works really when Tierney's in the team. Robertson's a more effective player with Tierney um, alongside. See, Robertson at his club plays in a back four where he's overlapping you know, guys like Manny and Firmino, etc. I know we don't have that kind of player, um, but in the Scotland team, he's either got um, Tierney, Underlap him so he can go out on the outside or Tierney overlapping him and then he's able to go back and defend. So, um, but without him, he looks isolated because no offence to guys like Liam Cooper and Scott McKenna who are pretty good centre-halves, um, but they don't offer what Tierney does um, in that team. Um, so I personally would look at a 4-3-3 um, option, but I just don't see Clark change it. I, I suppose our hands could be forced if McKenna's out. And Henry obviously not playing well on Saturday could mean that we end up maybe having to be forced on this change formation. Don't know what you think, David. Yeah, I agree with John in the sense I think we should play a 4 3 3 tournament. I mean, Steve Clark's been uh, renowned for playing the 5 3 2 formation, uh, 5 goes to back, of course, and it's worked fine. But uh, ultimately, for this to work, you need the expertise of Kieran Tien, as far as I'm concerned. So for me, I would agree with Mr Blaisdell playing a 4-3-3 for, for tomorrow evening, uh, where I probably would put uh, Robertson at left-back as per usual. And then, uh, depending on defensive reinforcements or defensive injuries or whatever have you, if the, if the user circulate and becomes a formality, They'd probably play McTominay and Suter, but uh, it'll all depend on uh, who's who, who's all available. If if there's if all the if all the defenders are available tomorrow, I'd probably play McKenna and I don't know if you agree, John or John Wisdale. I probably would go for for Suter alongside uh, McKenna, just yeah. for that defensive uh, aerial ability because. Obviously, I mean, you're a different killer uh, over there. In terms of the midfield three, I'd probably go for something a little bit different uh, compared to what we've been playing the last few games. Because last Wednesday, we, we, we were sustainable in our play. We didn't play with too much of a purpose, I thought. Uh, it was the same in Dublin on Saturday, I felt. Uh, in the last 10, 10 to 12 days, we haven't played with a purpose in our play, excluding probably the last... 25 minutes with Ukraine and certain stages of Wednesday night. Apart from that, we've not really played with uh, an intent or a purpose all week periods, but that's really been it. Uh, if we do play three, this is a million dollar question because who do you play as the two uh, attackers alongside the, the num- number nine striker, obviously? 
it's a it's a big question. Uh, I don't know what you think, but uh, if Dykes yeah. or Dykes isn't playing, so probably play. I'd, I'd like to see Ross Stewart get a chance tomorrow night. Yeah. I suppose what he could do is he could start Stewart through the middle and then have Adams and Brown playing off him. I, I personally, I've said before, I don't like John McGinn playing the high, the more advanced role in midfield. Like Saturday, we're playing this like three-four-three formation. McGinn, I prefer in midfield. He's coming from deep. He's got more time to kind of get forward in the ball. See, when he's further forward, his game is just not the same. That's what, and it was the same against Ukraine. Basically, his threat was nullified. Um, so I think we need to change it. The the big thing, and we said this before the squad was announced, much as you know the formation is. There was no wingers in the squad, no natural wingers, no wide players. So it's very difficult to change it. Yeah, but you, I suppose you could, if you played a 4 3 you could have an arrow 4 3 3, but have your um, fullbacks um, obviously overlapping. And then you, if you've got someone like Campbell protecting the defence, I feel as I'm turning this into Alan Campbell show, but I really <laughs> do think we need someone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really do think that we need someone in that midfield that's got a bit of bite. We're missing Ryan Jack, obviously, through NJ. That was a big loss. So he could have been vital in these games against Ukraine and um, Ireland. And he weekend. knows how to score away. Campbell, someone. <laughs> well, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, it's just we need to make, um, we need to freshen this team up again. Um, now, I'm usually a fan of Ryan Christie, but. You know, and I can accept players having a bad game, but players just disappearing, not showing, you know, going into hiding. I can't tolerate that. So he needs to get dropped. No, that's just not a good attitude to have. We can't afford passengers like that who are just going to go into hiding. So um, if I was picking the team, I would go, I would actually pick Liam Kellen and go. I think we need to start getting him caps. Um, we can't go and create Gordon forever. And Gordon didn't have a great game at the weekend either. Yeah. If Nathan Patterson's fit, he starts right back. If not, Ralston. I'm fine with that. He, I know he was um, culpable for the second goal, but so was Jack Kendry. And Ralston was one of our slightly better players. Mm-hmm. I'd give Robertson the rest. I've been safe for a while. He needs the rest. Picky left wing back for me. Or even Taylor. Taylor's a good player. Um, McKenna, if he's fit in suit or centre back, is obvious because I think Hanley and Kendry have had poor seasons. Um, in midfield, Campbell, um, Gilmer, and McGregor. And I'd have. Stuart Armstrong, Jacob Brown, off Ross Stewart. I would rest Shea Adams. He's not scoring well. His confidence is low. And above all, he looks absolutely done. And then obviously you're resting McGinn as well. Yeah. Yeah. They've not ended the season well. I mean, this is the thing that I was saying on uh, other podcasts, uh, Hamden Hamden The difference between that game being potentially being in uh, March, we had players in form getting into that game and Obviously, it was moved for the right reason. Whereas you switch forward to now, it's a, it's a different game. Players have not ended the season well, and um, yeah, it's probably better that one or two um, are, are taking out the team for their own good. But we need to freshen up somehow because teams are now sussing at how to play us, um, and more and more teams are sussing at how to play us. So when they have this plan B, the fact we didn't have a plan B on Saturday really annoyed me. Yeah, I guess basically the way it works is we were just trying to get the ball out wide to wing backs and let them do all the work. So there was like nothing to the middle. It worked against Armenia, but with no, well, Ireland, it was a completely different game. I think possibly we gave Ireland too much respect. We we talked up in the build up and saying it's going to be a cup tie, it's going to be a cup tie, it's going to be a, a British type game. We should have went into it. We have actually played some decent football at times over the last year or so. We should have gone into it. Let's impose our game on them 
we let Ireland impose their game on us and they made it a physical battle and players couldn't cope. And a few people have said this. Josh obviously was raging after the game because he was there on Saturday. Much as there is these experienced players, there is a lack of leadership on the pitch. It's maybe a debate for another day about the captaincy, but I still feel there's yeah, lack of leadership. Don't know what you think on that, David. I mean, Andy Robertson's a good captain within his own right. And what I mean by that is he's good in terms of his playing qualities because there's no doubt he's a quality, quality player whenever he gets the ball and finds players or whenever he's on the ball and trudges forward. He's done that for both club and country. There's no doubt in that. But then in the same token as well, uh, John and John Blaisdell, I don't think Robertson's been renowned for, for captain captain's qualities or leadership qualities for, for either club or country either. I mean... He's he's playing in that all the post side where he's playing alongside other world class players and the Hendersons and all them. Yeah, it is difficult, definitely in terms of your your Jordan Hendersons and your Virgil terms uh, obviously being captain. Uh, also, in terms of Robert, in terms of Robertson, uh, he's, he's not exactly. One of these players has been accustomed to being a, a, a captain on data leader. So, from that perspective, uh, everybody that says Andy Robertson's a leader in the park, um, he's a leader in terms of his own playing ability. He's not a, a leader in terms of the way he conducts himself in terms of um, to the other players. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's different. Maybe it's different behind the scenes. Uh, but that's the perspective you get from the outside looking in. For me. If you were to appoint a captain primarily on uh, primarily on leadership and communication and all that that kind of things, for me at this precise moment in time, looking at the, the this list, you're saying to yourself either John McGinn or mm, or you're, you're you're scraping the barrel, I think. But yeah. for me, probably John McGinn, just because of his cardamadre, his character, and the way he conducts his business. I suppose you've got McGregor as well that's captain at Celtic, but I do feel these guys need to step oh, yeah. up. I forgot the car McGregor. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, they, I think they do need to step up. And the good thing is, in spite of what happened on Saturday, at least we're not waiting until September for our game. You know what they always say, a wounded animal, so let's get out there, um, respond and put in a performance, and then at least leave it in September whereby it's in their own hands in terms of like win the, the three games and then we can we can look to get uh, progress. What a what a, contra- a contrast to uh, two weeks ago when we were excited about World Cup playoffs and uh, a good start to the Nations League. It just shows what can happen in football. All it takes a couple of results and you're back down again. I mean, um, you know, it feels as though we're going back a few years, you know, with the, um, the therapy after Scotland games and that. I'm not liking this. You know, I liked the I liked the fact that we were on the positivity train, the hype yep. train and all the rest of it. That's the way you want to be. You want to get back on that. Um, you know, you want to get excited about Scotland games again and all the rest of it. And the worry is, is that if we're starting another trend that's going to seize down the way, you know, we've just been up to 38,000 Scotland Supporters Club memberships after it being, what, 20,000 not yeah. long before. I, you don't want that to dwindle again. You know, um, I mean, I'd still renew anyway because I'm an idiot, but... Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Aye, but no, but, but you're right, though, because remember what we were saying, like, what, six months ago in terms of this is our favourite team ever, the connection between the players, the fans, everyone, and 
we were all feeling good, and that was in spite of the Euros. The Euros kind of seemed like a bit of a blow because we had the games at home and we thought maybe this was our chance to progress in knockout stages. But we saw through that and we thought, right, okay, we're playing a better level opposition. We've now got a chance. We did well to recover our World Cup playoff, uh, play, uh, sorry, World Cup qualifying group because we started poorly in that, remember? We're what, two points after the first two games? So maybe, just maybe, the kick up the arse the players need and they can do the same this time as well. Well, I think we've had enough of Ewan Cameron uh, ranting and raving on Saturday evening in the way he did. Uh, that was just annoying, to say the least. Um, I mean, I mean, Ewan Cameron's making pinpoints about poor performances and such. Like, there was a game against uh, Moldova, I think it was, where Scott, I might be wrong here, you can maybe correct me here, John. Scott won 6 0, or the one with a significant scoreline anyway. And Ewan Cameron was going terrific performance, terrific performance. And then he contradicted himself big time in that thread on Saturday evening.
this country is known for adversity and setbacks, but then they've always rejuvenated the country again because of the magnitude of the results that the country has implemented afterwards. It's got to be the same again, as far as I'm concerned. What are you going for for score prediction? Uh, ooh, two no, uh, aye. I, I'm before I go and give you my prediction. I'm gonna give you the, my team for tomorrow. Two changes to what John John Wisner said. Okay, I went for a wing care goal. I'm gonna go for the same back four as what John said. Right. I'm gonna go for Campbell and Gilmore as the defensive two. I'm gonna go for Armstrong and Ad. Well, it's the same as George basically. Armstrong, Adams and Stuart as the, the three. Are you okay? Right, fair enough. Um, so, two now you're going scorers? You're going as far as scorers? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for um, Gil- Gilmore. We'll go for Gilmore, yeah. And I fancy North Stuart to get off the mark if he, if he does play. Right, okay. Hey, John? Um, I'm going to go... Two one. Um, I think it's going to be an every night, and we might um, concede a sloppy goal, but we'll go two one, and I think the Scotland goal scorers will be uh, Ross Stewart and um, oh, they go my nice. No, um, Cal McGregor. Right. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Well, let's hope we can get the business done, and best of luck to Scotland. Thank you, David, for coming on. Good to have you back. I know you've been on before a few times. So good to have you. Hopefully we'll see you back on in the new season. And John, pleasure as always. It it seems nice to be on the two of us again. The old days. Yes, <laughs> it's becoming a, a feature again. Um, so yeah, we good that we end up next week with hopefully a big crowd. <laughs> yes, the plan is for next week we're going to have an end of season wrap up party of sorts. Um, so we'll try and focus more on the positives of the, the year, though I'm pretty sure we'll have some funny moments to talk about and some negativity, especially if it ends up being three Aberdeen fans on it amongst a, a group of 10 or whatever it is. So, right, thank you again. And obviously, Adam earlier, thanks again for coming on. Great guest. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Cheers.